Hi, everybody. My name is Jim Neeson, and I am so glad you're here. Welcome to the first episode of the Direct Sunlight Podcast. I created this podcast to share with everyone some of my personal quiet time Bible studies and the things that I've learned throughout my personal walk with God. Again, while this podcast was created for all of you, my listeners, there's one person in particular that I greatly admire and deeply care about, who is one of the primary reasons why I'm recording these messages. My prayer is that this special person, who I will affectionately refer to throughout these recordings as MB, will someday, at just the right time, find this podcast and benefit from the series of messages I share. So for MB and all those who are listening, let's start off by looking at how the Bible addresses three of the most common questions that I think most of us at some point in our lives have asked ourselves. Question number one, how much of the Bible is really from God versus how much of it was written by man? Now, if you have a Bible, please turn or swipe over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Now, I'm reading from the NIV, the New International Version. If you have a different translation, the wording might be a little different, but the meaning should be basically the same. Okay, we're going to start in verse 16. It reads, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the key word in that verse is the first one, the word all. The Bible makes a bold statement right here. It says that 100% all scripture is from God. But how can that be? Didn't men write the books within the Bible, especially the letters in the New Testament? Let's jump over to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. It reads, Above all, there's that word all again, the Bible is very emphatic. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So, did men write the Bible? The answer is, well, yes and no. Yes, men penned the words down, but these men were all filled with God's Holy Spirit. God inspired or breathed these words into existence through his chosen prophets and apostles. Can you picture Isaiah the prophet sitting on a rock somewhere, writing about the virgin birth, then pausing for a moment and saying, wait, what? I can't write that. That makes no sense. Born of a virgin? What's that all about? You see, these men didn't question the things that they wrote down. They wrote down exactly what they were given to say by God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And how do we know this to be true? Well, because we can see through history, eyewitness accounts, and tons of evidence that the things that we read about in the Bible actually happened. If you want to dive in further into this bold claim about what the Bible says about itself, and I encourage you to do so because it's a great way to build your faith and strengthen your conviction, then I would highly recommend a few great resources. The first is a small paperback book by Douglas Jacoby titled True and Reasonable. 
This is a quick and easy read, which really sums up why we can put our faith in God and the Bible as God's word. For a more in-depth study, I recommend two books by Josh McDowell, titled Evidence That Demands a Verdict, Volume 1, and Evidence That Demands a Verdict, Volume 2. Now, if you have any doubts whatsoever about the Bible, where it came from, or who wrote it, these books are a great resource. And why is this so important? Well, because God wanted to give us a standard to follow and eliminate confusion, as it says in 1 Corinthians 14.33. And we all need a given standard, instead of trying to make up our own standard. Let's take, for example, the standard of measurement. What if we were all given a task of building a table that was three feet high, and the length and the width were six feet by four feet? Now, if we all use the standard measuring tool, like a ruler, our tables would all be the same size. But what if I believed that there were only three inches in a foot instead of 12? What would my table look like? My table would be just nine inches high with a surface of just one by one and a half feet. That's not a table. That's a footstool. So if we can see how important a standard is to building something like a bridge a skyscraper, or even a table. How important is it to have a trusted standard for our lives? God knew it was essential that he gave his children one useful standard that we can trust. This is because God loves us and he doesn't want us to get hurt. And if there was just one small thing in the Bible that was wrong and harmful to us, the God who created the universe and all that is seen and unseen would be powerful enough to make sure that his word would not be compromised. That in this world of fake news, God makes certain that there is at least one source where people can go to for the truth. Okay, let's move on to question number two. Does the Bible really apply today? Okay, let's say we concede that the Bible is the sole, absolute, undeniable, infallible word of God. But does the Bible apply today? I mean, this is not the first century. We're in the 21st century. The Bible was written a long time ago. Our technology has changed. Our knowledge has grown. And our intellect has greatly improved. The Bible is a great historical book. And I'm guessing it was practical several centuries ago. But isn't it a little bit limited today at best? And at worst, isn't it downright old-fashioned? outdated, and basically useless as a guide for living in today's world? Okay, it sounds like a valid concern. Let's see how the Bible addresses this issue. Please turn over or swipe over with me to Hebrews chapter 4. Let's start in verse 12. For the word of God is alive and active, Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Wow, another bold claim. The Bible is living and active. But why? It compares itself to a double-edged sword. That's very interesting. 
You see, the Romans invented the double-edged sword. Before this, the single-edged sword was what soldiers used in battle. However, it was very inefficient because if you wanted to overcome your enemy, you had to use your sword to hack them. But with all the heavy armor being used, this was a very difficult feat. It would take a lot of hacking to make any significant impact. So the Romans got smart and they invented the double-edged sword. Now, instead of hacking at their enemies, they were able to ram the sword into their opponent's chest. The double-edged sword would penetrate the armor under the breastplate and immediately pierce the heart. This would turn a long, tedious battle into a quick victory. God gives us this amazing gift that we call the Bible so we can turn our battle against sin into a great victory. Like that double-edged sword, the Bible goes right to the heart. Yes, our technology has changed, our knowledge has grown, and our intellect has greatly improved. But there is one thing that is very consistent throughout the ages. The hearts of mankind have not changed very much over the millenniums. A lie is still a lie. Adultery is still adultery. Murder is still murder. Hatred is still hatred. Sin is still sin in all of its various forms. This is why the Bible is timeless, because it targets the thoughts and the attitudes that come from the heart. God's design is that the Bible will cut into our hearts, but not to kill us. Instead, the Bible will, if we let it, penetrate our hearts to perform a spiritual surgery with the utmost precision, like dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And why should we let it? After all, it sounds a bit painful, doesn't it? Well, unfortunately, if you're like me, you've made some bad choices in life. There were many times where I didn't exactly follow God's standard. I followed what might appear to be God's standard, but I changed it around a little bit, and sometimes a lot, to do what I wanted or to do what felt good to me at the time. I had a standard, but it was my own version mixed with the world's standard. I hurt myself in the process. In addition, I hurt the people around me, including you, MB, and I'm sorry. The result was that my heart was broken. I was in so much pain, I can't even tell you. But that's why we need to let the Bible to do its work. We need to let the Bible penetrate our hearts, as uncomfortable as that may be. I think of it more like a surgeon's scalpel. It gets in there, exposes the cancerous cells, which is sin. Then it removes them so that the good cells can heal and be strengthened. God wants us to live life to the full. He wants to remove the things that are hurting us, or in some cases, are killing us. God's word is living and active, but only if we let it. Only if we let it in and let it do its job that it was designed to do. We can't cover up our true condition by doing things that make us feel good and pretend that we're just fine. Or try to tell ourselves that we only have stage one sin when others have stage four. Yeah, but my sin is not as bad as that stage four child molester. We can always find someone worse than ourselves. Some people find comfort in that. However, even though it's easy to ignore 
what's really going on in our hearts and look the other way, God sees everything, just like it says in verse 13. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. God wants to remove all the pain and suffering caused by our sin and the sin of those who have hurt us in the past. He wants us to be fully healed and whole. There's nothing more freeing than accepting the truth and letting God perform surgery on our soul. Okay, finally, let's look at question number three. Okay, so I'm a pretty good person. I believe in God and I have a personal relationship with Jesus. So why do I need to read the Bible? Isn't that just something extra? Let's look over in John chapter 12. We're going to read verse 47. Now this is Jesus speaking. If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Well, that's comforting. Jesus said he is not going to judge us. I like the idea of Jesus being my Savior. Most people find that easy to accept. Some might say, I will accept Jesus into my heart as my Savior, not my judge. After all, Jesus did say, I didn't come to judge the world, but to save the world. So I'm off the hook. I <laughs> love that. It's kind of tempting, though, isn't it, to just stop right there? But if we did, we would be making one of the biggest mistakes that many people, even many religious groups, have made throughout the centuries. That is, treating the Bible like a smorgasbord. And I'll take a little bit of that and maybe some of this, but that stuff over there, that leaves a bad taste in my mouth. So I'll pass on that. I like the verses on love, mercy, and grace. But those scriptures on sin, repentance, and judgment, I can do without. However, if all scripture is from God and is living and active, which it is, then we can't pick and choose some verses while ignoring others. We really need to take the Bible as a whole. There's no such thing as smorgasbord Christianity. And the Bible is not a buffet. Let's read verse 47 again, but this time we're going to continue on a little further. If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very word which I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Wow. So here we see that Jesus is saying that there most certainly is a judge and that that judge is the words that he has spoken. But not only that, Jesus goes on to say that these words are not even his own, that he was given these words to speak. Moreover, Jesus says here that all the words that he has spoken, everything that he has said throughout his time on earth, was just what God commanded him to say. Just like we read earlier in 2 Peter, no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Jesus also spoke from God as he was carried along by the Holy Spirit. 
And where do we find these words and the prophecies of Scripture? The Bible. And so, if the Bible is going to be our standard of judgment someday, according to Jesus, how important is it that we make it our standard of living? Let's close with this story analogy. Just imagine that you were invited to a great dinner banquet by a famous, well-respected, wealthy celebrity influencer. And this person, your dinner host, welcomes you and tells you to enjoy the succulent meal that has been prepared for you. It includes filet mignon, lobster tails, and dozens of other exquisite entrees from which you can choose. Not to mention, you'll also be able to choose from a selection of choice wines, delicious appetizers, and mouth-watering desserts. Now, you can't wait to dive in and get started. You're even in awe just to be sitting at the same table as this amazing person whom you have deeply admired over many, many years. Then, after the menu has been read, you overhear one of the servant staff telling another that somehow a small container of poison had accidentally been spilled into one of the core selections. But which one is uncertain? The big question is, what would you do? How much of the dinner would you eat? I think the answer is obvious. If you're smart, you wouldn't eat any of it. It's not worth taking the chance. After all, there's no way to know which food is tainted and which is safe for consumption. And what about this wonderful host? Did he know about this? If he did, what kind of person would he be to allow the dinner to continue? Wouldn't he just throw it all out, regardless of the cost or looking bad, instead of putting his beloved guests at risk? In the same way, if there is anything in the Bible that is harmful to us and not from God, then we should just toss out the whole book in the trash. Who's to say what is true and from God and what is not? It's either all good or good for nothing. And wouldn't you think that the God who created the universe and all that's in it, who raised his son up from the grave, who has knitted us together in our mother's womb, who has every hair on our head counted and wants so much for us to spend eternity with him in heaven, would not be able to provide us with a source of truth, an accurate standard for us to follow, especially when he sees everything and our lives will be measured according to that standard. It's up to us if we choose to follow it or not, but he wants to set us up to win, not harm us. God has given us the Bible so that we can know the truth, be healed, and come home. And the Bible says that when we do, God has prepared for us the best homecoming banquet ever imagined. MB, I look so much forward to being with you at this great banquet in heaven, as well as celebrating with all those we love and all of you who are listening to me right now. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the podcast. Please take a moment to subscribe so that you can be updated when future episodes are added. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would really appreciate it if you would please write a positive review. Your support really means so much. Finally, if you would like to visit an informal Bible discussion group in your local area or benefit from personal Bible studies, please click the link in the description below and I will be happy to get that information to you. God bless.